The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to chat about what it takes to land a great job in marketing. Joining us is Julie Puckett, who is the founder and partner at Blaze Search, which is a retained executive search firm with a strong global network and a mission to match talented market execs with purpose-driven organizations that aim to do good for the world. Today, Julie is going to tell us about some of the common themes that she sees on marketing resumes that lead marketers to get interviews. Okay, here's our interview with Julie Puckett, the founder and partner at Blaze Search. Julie, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hi, Ben. Great to be here. It's great to have you on the show. I'm excited to reconnect. We touched bases back when you were working at a different firm, and recently you decided to go out on your own and launch Blaze Search. So first off, congratulations for going out on your own. Thank you. Let's just take a step back. Tell the MarTech community a little bit about your experience, your background, and what you're doing at Blaze Search. Well, basically, as you said, we are hoping to work with companies who have missions and are looking for good people to help them with those missions. And that does not necessarily mean this is something that is a clear view to a mission in saving the world in some way, but it could just be about making someone's daily life a little bit better could be a parking app, which takes the stress out of parking. It could be a different way to pay the government and just make things go more smoothly, more easily. A lot of it is about just working with people who we feel are really excited, love to meet great talent, hire great talent, have a strong focus on that, and will partner well with us so that we can really help them to get the right people for their next stage of growth. So you're focused on helping companies find the right talent to be able to fill their mission, really no matter what the mission is, just as long as it has a, a noble purpose, something I appreciate greatly. Talk to me a little bit about you've been in executive search. I want to talk about some of the trends in marketing and what marketers need to do to sort of put their best foot forward. But before we go down that path, when you think about executive search, how do you think finding someone to fill a marketing role is different than filling some of the other executive roles? I always say that when someone is trying to hire someone to lead marketing, especially when a founder is trying to do this, 
it can really feel like a marriage and both parties can feel like, all right, we're going to be walking down the aisle. This has to be absolutely perfect. And it's usually the first time that the founder is doing that, especially with the series A, B companies I've worked with. So there's just a sense that getting the right marketer can take your business to just the ultimate place you want to be. And that that person can come in and really have the skill set and the tools, just a general outlook on growth that will change everything for your company because you have the product, you have started building everything. Now that person will come in and really be able to market it. So it can be fraught with the hiring process and figuring out what type of person is needed and watching that right person walk in the door and feeling that, wow, this is it. I want to do this. All of that can be really stressful. And I think it can take a long time sometimes. And what I've tried to do over time is figure out how to help people make the decision more quickly, feel like they've found the right person, use some different simple ways of looking at this to really understand, well, what are the needs of the business right now? Are you ready for someone at the CMO level? Is it going to be better if you find someone who is a VP and can really just be building a machine from scratch or building a marketing program from scratch and hiring others over time? Do you need someone really strategic to sit right next to you and really figure out direction for the company? So are you really looking for more of a partner who happens to be a marketer? So there are just a lot of different things that we go through when we're kicking off a search and figuring out the direction we're going to go in, the types of people we're going to be calling and reaching out to, and of course, who we actually want to hire and put in the seat. So it seems like the difference between hiring other executives, let's say a CTO or a a VP of engineering or head of finance, marketing feels a little bit more personal and a little bit more personality driven. Is that fair? Definitely. Especially when you pull the brand aspect into the equation. I think when a person starts up a company or people start up a company, the brand is top of mind. And what is the image that you want to portray with your company? This person is going to come in and either be able to help you to really realize and truly have it out there. We are Shopify. This is what we do. Or you may have someone who comes in and wants to change your mind about that. That person could be right, could be wrong, could be somewhere in the middle. And I think there's a lot of resistance to you have a strong-willed person walk in the door and there's sometimes fear that that person will try to change the brand too much. It will be unrecognizable and change the way the company is perceived in the market. So I don't think that people have the same feelings about other C-level executives, because it's a little more straightforward. You will need to do X, Y, and Z. And I hope you're really good at that. And you understand our business model and can make it happen. And then, of course, there are a lot of other things that other C-level execs bring to the table. But it just does seem a lot more emotional when it's a CMO and you're talking about how you will be viewed as a company for the foreseeable future and as you grow. The irony is that the CMO role is, you know, you mentioned how it's personality driven and how a lot of founders tie their identity to the company that they founded. And a lot of that goes into how they feel about the brand. And it's a reflection of the founder to create the original brand. 
On the flip side, the marketer, right, CMOs are the shortest tenured on average of the C-level position. I think it's something like 12 to 18 months is the average duration for a CMO to stay in their job. It's an incredibly short period of time. So you go through this process of trying to find somebody who is the perfect match. You're dating, you fall in love, you bring them in, they're going to help you figure out, identify, isolate, magnify your brand, figure out a growth strategy, and chances are a year to 18 months, they're going to be out the door. Just before we get started talking about what are the ways to make sure that you're creating a profile that is attractive to the executives and the executive recruiters out there, Talk to me about why you think marketers don't last in executive marketing jobs very long. It's a really interesting situation. I think that there are a few things that I hear from both clients and the marketers I speak with. One of them is just a very different set of expectations going in. And that seems to be something that could be taken care of on a deeper level with more attention during the interview process and discussions about the role and the expectations. I think with earlier stage companies, it's often hard for the CEO, founder, the founding team to really understand what a CMO will want to come in and do because none of these people have been CMOs before. And so you get some advice from the board, um, the VCs, other people, if you need this, you need that, but it really is a work in progress. So a company may hire a CMO and think, we just got a second round of funding. It was incredible. We're ready to spend on marketing. Let's go. But the CMO comes in and there's not quite the product market fit that was expected. There may be more focus on other areas of the business and growth and spending than the marketer realized and a little less on the marketing spend. The person may try to make do with whatever is possible and start getting things on the right track. But that can be tough if a company has not truly decided who they want to be and where they want to go and hasn't really figured out a grand master plan around marketing. Of course, this person's coming in to help do that. But it often starts to become a situation where the CMO is talking to the founders and saying, look, I don't have enough to do. I have the skill set. I thought I'd be coming in and really using it broadly. And basically, I'm just, you know, I'm spending a little bit on search and I'm doing some naming, some a little bit of branding here and there, but I'm not being utilized to the full extent of what I can do. And I'm not sure this is working. And conversely, the client or the company may be saying, hey, we need someone who can just sort of build a performance machine, build an engine. We just want to get the right MarTech in place. That, that's all we need. Let's just do that. Can you do that? And there's a gap between where the CMO is now in his or her career and what is actually needed for the company at that time, which is someone a lot more hands-on and a lot more familiar with the MarTech that might be necessary and getting and building things from the ground up. So that often ends with, wow, we didn't really need a CMO. Sorry, we're going to hire a VP acquisition. We'll maybe hire someone to do some PR and communications. We'll get a brand agency. And then let's see what happens next year or the year after. One of the things that I feel like is happening is that there's a dynamic shift for marketers. 
we're pretty far away from the Mad Men era of brand marketing and, and television advertising being the dominant way to distribute a brand and talk about a mission and a message. And now we've moved to the digital era where things are becoming much more technical, data-driven. And so the notion of a marketer having to both be a brand marketer while also being a performance marketer is a relatively new phenomenon. And my feeling is that the average CEO or the average founder has the expectation that a marketer is going to have an equal experience in both the art and the science of marketing, when in reality, it's a really hard thing to do, right? You have to come up as a data-driven marketer or a brand marketer and learn the other one as your career matures. So talk to me a little bit about some of the trends that you see in marketing and what are the executives really looking for? There was a very strong trend, I would say, starting four to five years ago. And I think a lot of it was driven by the VC community and their young founders thinking, we need someone who can come in and be looking at the numbers all day, every day, build a dashboard, we want a performance marketer. That was the term. And it was really something that the candidates we would present on searches for CMOs of some pretty interesting high growth startups were all pure performance marketers. A lot of them did not have much team building experience. They had not managed large teams. They had perhaps grown and trained SEOs or paid search teams and and they were coming into these CMO roles and it was just a difficult situation because they were expected to be also understanding that the brand side of the house and leading the brand teams and the PR and comms teams as CMOs. So that trend went on for a couple of years. There's still a little bit of that, but what happened, and this is a very broad brushstroke, but a lot of these companies have found two years on that they built incredible listening performance marketing machines, but they did not have a brand and they were not able to acquire the right people with those performance marketing machines. And there was no real sense for, well, what is the brand? Who are we? Customer segmentation, who gets really excited about us, where, when, how, all of that was a little bit lost in the performance machine. And then it was too late at that point with some of these companies, they had gotten to a certain point in their evolution where it was very hard to go back and weave the brand into the performance program and make it happen. So I think a lot of people have started talking now. There's a trend that I'm seeing that is becoming stronger and stronger. It went a little bit more to the brand side where it was almost, no, no, no. He wants someone who truly understands brand, but in a modern sense. So often people would say CPG a little bit back in the day is good, but then we want someone who's built a brand like an Airbnb, um, but something, a lot of marketplaces and what people see as modern companies, on-demand companies subscription companies, subscription box companies. We want someone who has built that brand. And it's interesting because what I tell clients when they start talking about that and say, get me the person from Warby Parker, from Airbnb, from Uber, from whatever company was sexy at the time. And they felt that was the answer to having a really strong brand CMO. And I would often say, well, that's actually a little bit more about the product and the business model. And a disruptive company that is doing something in a really different way. And it does not necessarily mean that 
a brand marketer came in and made it so. So that sort of brings us to what I hope now is the middle of things, which it's a hard balance to have, but I think more and more people are learning it and can come to the table with it is this person who understands performance, understands brand, that there's sort of two sides of a coin and can weave them together, but probably needs to hire a team and people who will be specialists in certain areas, could be content, could be paid search, it could be paid social, anything, but is really going to know how to hire the right team and build the right marketing organization and really has a a bit of an understanding of everything and is a great leader, is a mentor. To me, that type of person who can also operate in a B2B environment and a B2C environment is a bit of a unicorn, but that's sort of the ultimate resume right now. I'd like to think that my resume looks like that. And maybe it's just me conflating some of my experience, but we've talked about my career experience before. And the problem that I had, not to make this episode all about me, was I was more of a brand centric, a creative marketer with some experience in performance marketing, but that was not my specialty, right? I spoke the game better than I knew the math. And that was one of the reasons why, as I tried to move from early stage startups to the growth stage startups and get an executive level job, I struggled and found myself continuing to work in consulting and sort of specializing and then eventually creating the MarTech podcast. You know, the market was incredibly data driven and wasn't necessarily prioritizing the creative skills and the sort of humanity that goes along with marketing. So now that we're coming back full circle, I'll use myself as the example, what should the marketers like me who have been more brand centric, focused on building customer personas, understanding the customer problems and still have some performance marketing experience? A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How should they be articulating their experience to make sure that they're separating from the pack? I think the best way to do that is to try to put some of the experience 
into context in a way that will be more easily understood by some of these founders who are more tech and analytics oriented, more data driven in general. And that means having a resume that has some numbers. And it's not just to throw numbers out there because I'm saying we want to see numbers. I think anyone at this point, and it's an interesting discussion to be had, but at this point, all marketing can be analyzed and you can get numbers, whether it's a brand, an out-of-home campaign. There are ways to do that. And I think that to be able to describe that and say, I went into this company and I was able to drive traffic through my branding efforts and through the creative content that I worked with, through these various channels that I focused on, I was able to drive the business forward in this measurable way. I think calling out your ability to work with all of the functions in a business as well and to speak their language is really important because you can be incredibly creative. You know, I'm thinking about Spotify had someone who came in and built an in-house agency, creative agency for them. This person is just a brilliant creative mind. But the important thing is that he was always able to speak the language of the Spotify employees and the executive team. And Daniel, the CEO, was able to describe what he wanted to do in a way that really resonated with people who are more engineering minded, more product focused, just think in a different way, potentially from someone who has more of that creative mind. So I think that demonstrating your ability to work in that environment, and that could be from specific companies you've worked at that have that focus. It could also be from just how you partnered with people in engineering. How did you partner with people in product, in other parts of the business? And what is your general business acumen? How do you understand? How do you take what you do with a brand Another example is someone I know who was at Nike, who has this brilliant creative mind and understands brand in such an unbelievable, like a very nuanced way, but is also an incredible business person and just knew where the company wanted to go, how it was doing it, understood the business model to the core and could speak to other executives about that and also plan and strategize and create campaigns that would move along with the business and the business goals. So I think just being able to tie all of that, come up with the data, tie it to business goals and speak that language with other people who work at the company will make everyone who is looking at the resume or who is interviewing you much more comfortable with the fact that you don't have these years and years of performance analytics data experience. And I think that's really the way to go and to kind of get the foot in the door and then be able to just grow from that. I think going back to 2002, when I graduated from college, there was a Boston University resume writing class. And my big takeaway and the advice I give to anybody that asks me about their resume is that you want to be action oriented, show what you did. And that's literally starting each bullet point with a verb, which is managed, generated, started, launched, produced, right? All of the action words of what you were doing and then put an outcome that is tangible managed a team of seven people that created a growth engine which generated over 2,000 leads a month. 
you want to get from all the things that you did, the people that you worked with to what the end results were. And so for me, writing resume bullets, specifically for marketers, you have to be action oriented, show what you did, show who you worked with and what the end results were. And, and that can be very challenging when you're talking about branding, you know, produced a brand brief that was widely adopted across seven different markets with three customer segments or something along those lines. But you need to have just visually need to show what you did, prove that you're action oriented and then who you worked with. And you have to have the numbers at the end, even if it is a one, a two, right? That produced a single outcome. You want to have some sort of end result. Does that still hold weight? Yes. I think it's a really good core thing to make sure you have with your resume, just exactly what you were describing. And I think your outcome doesn't have to be something you did alone. It can say something like, we were able to grow this business from zero to a hundred million over a period of three to four years. And this was part of this program that I created this campaign what contributed in this way. And I think that as long as you sort of switch from the I to the we and talk about the team and how you built that and where the company went, it's really fine to talk about company growth because that's what a lot of people are beginning to realize. It's just wanting to have someone who was along for that ride, obviously contributing, but who saw some fantastic growth over not too many years period of time. That's one of the core things that clients ask for when we're talking about what are the four to five things that you want to see in this person. It's that growth because it helps them to feel comfortable with the fact that they're bringing someone on board who's seen things work and has seen things not work and has also had success in actually this did help the company to really grow, which is, of course, what everyone wants to happen with their own company. So, you know, it's hard. You don't find a lot of zero to 100 million, especially when the marketer is capable of doing all these things we've been talking about, working across channels, leading those teams. How many marketers have actually done all of that from zero to 100 million in the past four years? There aren't that many. So it's just kind of talking about how you have been involved with growth at a company and what you contribute. And yes, having some numbers and being as specific as possible and avoiding any typical resume language that is not going to add value because no one will read it. I think keep it short, try to keep your resume on one to two pages if you can, and just have it be like, here is everything you will want to know if you're trying to figure out whether I'm right for this job or not. Yeah, I think one of the other things that I feel like I've done over time on my resume, and by all means, my resume is far from perfect. And if anybody's interested in seeing it, you can go to benjshap.com slash resume as an example for how I've put mine together. But one of the things I specifically tried to do, and I even started to use some imagery and some icons on my resume was to get the point across of what my major skill set. So at the top of my resume, before I get down into the jobs and the you know individual experiences and roles, responsibilities I had at those jobs, I created a section that called out what I thought I would be labeled as. So I have brand positioning, marketing strategy, and business development with a couple of key skills that I've done in each one of those. For example, brand positioning, market segmentation, customer development, and brand narrative and positioning trying to call out what your skills are. Because in reality, when somebody looks at your resume, 
They're not reading it. They're skimming through and they're looking at the headlines. Most likely they're looking at the titles, the companies, and then a couple of the first bullets maybe is what they're reading. Talk to me about how you get across this sort of theme and positioning of how you're separating yourself from the rest of the stack of resumes based on what you want to be doing, what those skills are. One thing I tell every person I have a call with, coffee meeting, people who are working on their resumes and looking for something new, I always say that the most important thing to do in that first intro paragraph that you have before you start talking about specific roles, I do believe you should have that. Some people say, just get rid of it and just have the roles. But I think you should have it because you need to tell the recruiter or the hiring manager, the person who's looking at this, you need to tell us what you can do for us. Because the hardest thing to do and the thing that makes people just put a resume to the side is when it's difficult to understand what that person can really bring to the table. And you could have an amazing background and you've done a ton of different things, but if it looks like either too much and there are a few different functions and different types of companies, it's just the attention span is so small and the desire to get exactly what you want out of a resume is so large that you won't be considered unless you make it easy. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're marketers and we have to be storytellers. And I do think that that paragraph or sentence or just line of copy somewhere at the top of your resume that describes who you are and what you're looking for is important. I'll give an example of mine, strategic, data-driven, entrepreneurial, omni-channel marketer with 15 years experience with technology-driven businesses looking for a leadership role and an innovative and fast-paced growth stage organization. That pretty much sums up the whole resume, right? Here's the three bolts of how I think of myself as a marketer, how much experience I have, what companies I've worked with, and what do I want to be doing? You could package that up in a snippet, and that's probably the one line of copy people are really going to read. Yeah. And I think they would want to understand, are you a consumer-focused marketer? Are you a B2B? Are you an SMB-focused? Do you do all of them? I think that that's something everyone wants to know too, because it's how people think when they think about marketing, especially if they don't know a lot about it. So that's also something to keep an eye on. Think about the fact that people looking at your resume will not generally be other marketers who completely understand all of the words that you're putting out there, but they will be people who understand some core things. Like, is this person consumer focused? Does this person acquire more or does this person retain more? If this is about growth, what type of growth are we talking about? Are we talking about subscription growth and really just keeping more retention actually? I think that's important and you can change that. I also tell people there's nothing wrong with changing that first paragraph and things in your resume, depending on the company you want to interview with. Just change it, make it easier for people to understand how you are a good fit. And it is through storytelling. It's not necessarily through becoming more salesy about that. It's about just making it really clear I can help you do X, Y, Z because I have had experience in this type of organization. And even though your SMB, my B2C plus B2B experience has hovered in and around that SMB place so much that I could come in and be really fluent in setting up a marketing program for SMBs. So that's why. But go into it thinking this person won't really understand much about marketing and I do need to make things really clear. I think my high level takeaways here are 
you need to summarize who you are and what you want early in your resume. And that's something that is going to help tell your story. And you have to have that pitch down to one sentence. And then in your bullets and in how you're highlighting your career experience, you're explaining that story. So you're using action words and you're trying to use data as much as you can to show what experience you have and what impact it had on the organization. So I think that's a great place for us to land the plane today. Thanks to Julie Puckett, the founder and partner at Blaze Search for joining us. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Julie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile, or you could visit her company's website, which is blazesearch.com, B-L-A-Z-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Julie and I are going to discuss the best ways to get from an interview into the executive marketing role. A couple of links that I want to tell you about in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you could send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Julie Puckett, the founder and partner at Blaze Search, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and the contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.